Hi, everyone. I'm Andres Correa, and you're listening to the latest Essential Talks episode from the Park Street Insider Podcast. This June, the Park Street University team is all in on agave spirits. And despite its recent explosion and becoming a major player in the industry over the last few years, the agave category has found a way to continue growing. So today's Essential Talk will feature a Bar Comment Brooklyn presentation from Carlos Ochoa, the COO of El Silencio Tequila. For brands looking to get started in this category, Ochoa walks you through the traditional route to market and production cost breakdown for mezcal. But more importantly, Ochoa advocates for bringing production aspects in-house to decrease the cost of goods and services, as well as improve the way that mezcaleros are portrayed when marketing agave spirits. Ultimately, Ochoa wants to teach people to create a healthy and sustainable culture around mezcal production that celebrates the traditions of the spirit. Please enjoy Carlos Ochoa's talk on mezcal cost of production and innovation. So I'm going to talk a little bit more of on the production side of mezcal and we'll kind of go from there. I'm going to talk about the cost of buying finished goods. Usually how it works is for a mezcal brand, not so much for tequila or any other agave spirits, is you go down to Mexico and you meet with some kind of broker or producer that's going to hand you finished goods in the United States. This producer is going to take care of absolutely everything for you and it's going to make sure that the bottles gets to the United States. You're going to sell it to a distributor and then the distributor is going to fulfill the order to the point of sale. Usually this is very, very good for brands because you don't have to either really go down there very often or you don't really have to do a lot of work. You just kind of, kind of have to pay the finished goods at the end of it. These are all the traditional costs, production costs for a mezcal producer. They have to buy wood, they have to buy water, fermentation tanks, depreciation of product, labor. It's very, very expensive to produce mezcal. All of this is transferred over to the brand owner, also the margin that the broker makes. In Oaxaca, we have about a 14 peso per kilo price. So how much it costs to produce a 750 of mezcal from the bottling in the CRM holograms to the dry goods, to the agave, to the production, gives us a total price of 12.22. From there, you add the broker, they usually make about $2 a bottle, then the importing and the markup, and it, that's how you get a $39.99 retail price point, which is kind of traditional for an Espadín at 43 to 45 ABV. So, Carlos, everyone's getting paid. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal here for me is that the wrong people are getting incentivized here. The incentive in this price structure right here is for the producer and the broker to really start squeezing the dollars downward to make more margin. And I think we're done as a brand or as a culture, we're done with really forgetting about who makes our product. That really matters. You see big, big shoe companies with scandals all the time online. You see cell phone companies with scandals all the time online of them not knowing how their products were made. I think we're way past that. So what's the problem? It's that the incentive is backwards. The incentive is for the broker and the producer to start squeezing every penny under them to make a, a, larger pro, a larger profit. These are things that I see all the time as to how brands are marketing their products as artisanal. A traditional mezcal production in Oaxaca, I call this poverty porn. I think a lot of brands market this as their strategy or their route to market, which to me, 
coming from Mexico really hurts me because we're a country full of culture and full of passion and full of amazing, amazing things. I don't see this as being the marketing, traditional marketing that we should be portraying our country. We stay away from the big sombreros and the shot glasses across the chest, chest the bottle of tequilas on the side. This poverty porn just shouldn't sell anymore. I am a true believer of optimization does not mean industrialization. And you can optimize without industrializing. So things like this I see all the time from my counterparts that own other Mezcal brands. And I just don't think that it should be this way. I think that because the incentive is backwards and you're incentivizing by buying finished goods, you're incentivizing the broker and the producers to squeeze down every single penny. What I'm trying to convince people of is to bring everything in-house, to hire those people directly. We did it at El Silencio a long, long time ago. We've had the company since 2013. We brought it in-house in 2016, and it's been a dream since then. It's completely possible. It's completely doable. You just have to go out there and do it. So what happens? Who gets squeezed? Everyone. One, two-year-old agaves that people are buying for 14 pesos a kilo. So what happens here? Right? You have a, a person that is selling their land, their hard-earned land, for nothing, for pennies on the dollar, because we are the second poorest state in the country, right off the Chiapas, where my parents are from. So this is very, very personal to me, and I hate seeing this. So I, I really want to share it with all of you. We were once this brand. We were once a brand that bought finished goods. We were once a brand that didn't really know how the product got to us. And once we went down there inside, we couldn't unsee it anymore. And that is kind of what I say when I speak at, at venues like this. Either you've seen it and you don't care, or you just haven't seen it. But I don't really see another option or, or another scenario. And we just decided to do something much, much different. This is our bottling line now. 44,000 square foot bottling facility in the center of Oaxaca. We don't pay any middlemen or women, no intermediaries. We do everything in house from agave to bottle from start to finish. You can totally do this. You know, you're able to buy bigger bulk of bottles, bigger bulk of labels, bigger bulk of corks. You're able to bring your cost of goods sold much, much lower without having to squeeze people that already live very tough lives. Everyone has health insurance, house subsidies, paid time off. We pay four times minimum wage in, in the state. We wanted to make sure that people could feel proud of, of the bottles that they were producing. This is the kind of agaves that we use. You know, very ripe agaves, agaves that took seven to nine years to grow, agaves that have the sugar content to be made into mezcal, nothing that only took one or two years to grow that is very detrimental to our category. We got rid of any animals producing in our facility. There's a solar power Tohono wheel. We think that we can create a product that tastes exactly the same, but it's much, much easier on the, on the producer's body. I think mezcal has been made exactly the same way for thousands and thousands of years, but no one really thought of innovating the process. And there's a lot of processes in the mezcal production that are very hard to the distiller that shouldn't be that way or don't need to be that way, that don't impact flavor. For example, having a donkey pull this one-ton Tahona wheel. This is how we choose to portray our distillers and the people that work for us. GQ models right here. Badasses. This is our kind of marketing. This is what we want to show. We want to show them as people that are strong, that is not the old mezcalero with the wrinkled white shirt. It's not. We want to show them in, in positions of power, if that makes any sense. So it's just what we're trying to do. Only time will tell if it's the right thing to do, but it's worth doubling down all in on this. And that is it for me. Hi everyone, it's Emily again. 
We really appreciate you tuning in for this episode and hope you found it valuable. This podcast is produced by Emmett Strack and co-hosted by me, Emily Pennington, and Andres Correa. If you like the show, we'd love to hear your feedback. The best way to do that is to give us a rating or leave a review on your preferred platform. If you're interested in getting involved with the podcast, send us an email at psu at parkstreet.com, which is also listed in the show notes. You can find more educational materials on our website, parkstreet.com, or YouTube channel, search Park Street University. Thanks a lot, and cheers until next time.